as we kick off the 5 o'clock hour. More on the Iowa-Iowa State game from over the weekend. Earlier we talked with John Bonacamp from the Burlington Hawkeye. Got the perspective of the Hawkeyes. Time to take a look at the Cyclone side of things right now. Joining us, Ben Visser from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Ben, what's a good word? Oh, Iowa State's offensive line um, struggled, to say the least. Um, defensive line was a complete opposite. Defensive line looked really, really good for Iowa State. So um, the trenches are interesting for Iowa State right now. Let's, uh, let's go to before the game. And as you found out, the offensive line was going to go and basically make a change. We've been hearing going all the way back to spring, the center position was Colin Newell's. Then we get to the game, and it's going to be Julian Good-Jones starting out there, Sean Foster, the starting left tackle. Take us through the thought process. Is it as simple as really don't want Colin Newell making what is his first career start doing it on the road at Kinnick Stadium as a redshirt freshman, or do you think there was more than that? That's a great question. Um, on the surface, I think it's, um, I think it is that uh, didn't want um, a redshirt freshman his first game in Iowa or an Ames Iowa native starting on the road in Kinnick. I'm sure his nerves were up there, so I, I think it was just to try to get some continuity and some veteranness, as Campbell likes to say, on the offensive line. Um, but I think it is interesting that Campbell didn't quite trust him enough to play. Um, he'd been talking about, like you said, since spring, but um, for whatever reason, whether it is the redshirt freshman, um, he just didn't want him out there for the first game. And I think that's where the um, Iowa State not having the SDSU game really hurts them because if Colin Newell could have gotten his feet wet a little bit more than five plays, um, I think he would have played, but... No first game, so Colin Newell had a, didn't have to sit out, but Campbell had him sit out and had Julian Good-Jones slide over to center again. So, yeah, really interesting situation on the offensive line. You know, kind of going forward, we, we've talked about this offensive line, and if Iowa State was going to take a step forward, it was going to be a big part of that. Do you expect more shifting, fluctuation? With Oklahoma in tap, you, you really can't be messing around a whole lot with it. What do you expect to see Saturday 11 o'clock with Oklahoma in town? Excellent question. Um, Campbell talked a little bit about that today on the teleconference, and he indicated that it was going to stay the same as it was for the Iowa week, but he also indicated that it's going to be work in progress throughout the season uh, just to try to figure out um, the right fit along that offensive line. Um, I don't think he can have too much change for the Oklahoma game just to try to get some continuity. Now, once you get to the Akron game, you might be able to play with it a little bit since they're, I mean, they're not Oklahoma or Iowa in terms of defense, so you can play around with that a little bit more. But um, I, I have to imagine for the Oklahoma game it stays the same um, just to have continuity. But on, on the same token, I really have no idea. that He could try to put Colin Newell in there for a series or two just to see if that improves anything or helps anything. But, man, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think missing the first game was that big of a deal, but it's turning out to be, especially for the offensive line. Well, they, they took the football, marched right down the field, their first possession after Iowa went three and out. And, of course, the, the drive stalled, got the field goal inside the 10-yard line after the false start. But after that, the, the offense, there just wasn't a whole lot there. Didn't attack the perimeter a whole lot. 
Was it the way the game was being played? Do you, do you think that's a kind of how this set up was? It, pretty frankly, low-scoring, tight game. Let's not do anything to mess it up. Or, or was that the game plan going in? You know, we're going to make a concerted effort. David Montgomery is going to run the football against the teeth of that defense. I think it's uh, David Montgomery is going to run the ball against that defense. Um, that seemed to be Campbell's game plan throughout the entire throughout the entire game until the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. But Montgomery just couldn't get anything going. Offensive line, like you said, that opening drive, the offensive line actually got pushed. Like there were times when they moved the defensive line two yards off the ball. And that's when Montgomery was having success in the first, uh, that first quarter, that first drive. He was getting five yards of rush, six yards of rush. And, but then, I mean, after that, it was just nothing. Couldn't get any holes open, couldn't get any push on the offensive line. And then when, and this is the weird part, Iowa State's offensive line last year was really good in pass protection. Um, they led the Big 12 in um, sacks allowed, like they had the least amount of sacks allowed against them. Um, and on Saturday they allowed four sacks, I believe, and that's uncharacteristic, at least from what we've seen of a uh, Matt Campbell offensive line. So, um, yeah, there was just a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks all day, and then obviously Kemp got hurt, so Zeb Nolan, there was pressure on him, so... It was a really it was a struggle for our state's offensive line for sure. I'm real curious about the defenses, and this is this is something that I thought that Iowa's defense after that initial first uh, run down the field that Iowa State had, they changed up a little bit, changed their scheme just a little bit, the technique and how they decided they were going to rush, and it really paid dividends, and I thought it kept Iowa State uh, off balance then the, the rest of the game. Your, your thoughts on the overall D, first of Iowa, and then Iowa State's defense as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, Matt Campbell mentioned um, Iowa switching his defense. He said they dropped a safety into the box and Iowa State played a lot more cover threes than Iowa State was expecting, um, taking away some of those outside routes um, that you might throw to a guy like Akeem Butler or Matt Eaton. So I think that really threw a wrench in Iowa State's offensive game plan, and Matt Campbell had a hard time adjusting to that. Um, it's all on him. He doesn't have an offensive coordinator that he can lay that blame on. So um, Matt Campbell struggled to adjust um, during that. So that was, that was a great call on Kirk Ferentz's part to – switch his defense around just a little bit. It wasn't a big wrinkle, but it was a big enough wrinkle for um, to make Matt Campbell try to adjust, and he wasn't able to. Um, so great for our Kirk Ferentz and Iowa's defense. Iowa State's defense showed very similar things. Um, they were able to switch between a three-man and four-man front regularly and do it with a lot of success. Um, Ray Lima in the middle is an absolute monster, mm-hmm. and I think he proved that. Um, so that three-man and four-man front switch was excellent for Iowa State. And then Mike Rose, um, heard a lot about him um, through fall camp. Didn't hear anything about him spring football, but um, well, obviously he's a true freshman. Um, didn't hear anything about him during the summer, though, during summer workouts. But then once fall camp comes around, name starts getting mentioned, and he steps in and he plays an amazing game. And it wasn't like he had to work out any first-game jitters. From the first quarter on, he was just, he was always around the ball. It seemed like there were three clones of Mike Rose, and they were just always around the ball. So I would say it has to feel real good about that. And 
Iowa State's cornerbacks are obviously quite good in Brian Peavy and DeAndre Payne. So Matt Campbell can definitely feel good about his defense and his defensive game plan. You just got to get some things on the offense figured out. Yeah, get that offensive line righted. And, and the putting game, too. Corey Dunn settled in, but a couple of shanks early in the football game, trying that rugby-style kick. He went to the, the normal style of punt after that. First one wasn't great, and then seemed to settle in after that. Concerns with Dunn going forward, do you think, kind of, again, those first game jitters, and he's going to be okay? At first, I thought it was okay. There was a punting competition after that first few punts yeah. where he had two punts inside 15 yards. But then, he, like you said, he hit two bombs that both went over 55 yards. So um, I think it's just first game jitters for him. Uh, he definitely he just didn't hit the ball well in those first few. But after that, struck it really well. So I think it's just first game jitters. And I think hopefully for Iowa State's sake that, they get the, uh, that he gets those game, first game jitters out and he'll be fine for the rest of the season. You know, this is going to be a situation with Oklahoma, uh, and and already they're a, a huge eighteen point favorite. How, in your estimation, how not getting to play that opening game of the season for Iowa State? How did that really impact uh, the Cyclones in Game One? Right. At this point, I'm not sure it impacts it a lot. Um, I think it impacted it for Iowa. Um, a little bit. I think they're more conservative, especially because they were just trying to run the ball so much. I think Matt Campbell didn't quite want to air it out as much. But now I think that they, now that they have an under their game under their belt, I think they're going to try to air it out a little bit more. Um, I don't think uh, Oklahoma's defensive line is as good as Iowa's. I don't know if anyone's defensive line is as good as Iowa's. So, mm-hmm. K- or Kemp or Nolan, whoever plays on Saturday, should have a little bit more time to get the ball downfield. So I don't think not having a first game will make that much of a difference for Oklahoma, but I guess we'll find out. (laughs) Yes, we will. 11 o'clock kickoff, Oklahoma coming to town. A little revenge on the mind after what happened a season ago. Ben, as always, great catching up with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Ben Visser with the Cedar Rapids Gazette, Iowa State beat reporter, and joining us here today, Jimmy B., is it mm-hmm. hyperbolic to be concerned with the lost game? And we'll see if they reschedule later in the year. If Iowa State's even going to be a bowl team, are, are we going you too know, far? I, I think we might be overstepping that reach at the moment. Um, but, but Trent, look, that was an opportunity to get one in the win column. And you and I had this conversation that the first few games here um, – are extremely difficult. We talked about I. We talked about Oklahoma. We talked about how important those games were, and I, I'm not sure yet. I, I think maybe by game four, I think then they will have to really take a serious look if indeed they believe they can schedule somebody for that uh, important 12th game. Road games at TCU and Oklahoma State after the Akron game. West Virginia, maybe they do have a yep. defense. They've looked, I thought, incredibly impressive. Road game at Kansas. Hey, Kansas got a win. <laughs> hey, God, they did get a win, yeah. Baylor is improving at Texas and K-State at the end of the year. We know Kansas State, how difficult that game has been for Iowa State over the past decade. Getting to six without that extra one in there. Might be difficult. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see on that. Coming back on the other side, we're talking NFL. Ted Haslip 
joins us next. Jimmy B and TC continues on 1700 KBGG. All right, welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues on here on a Monday. Time for some reaction to the NFL. Joining us from the Sporting News, Tad Haslip here today. Tad, what's a good word? Uh, everything. Week one's here, man. It's, just, it's all good. I we, think we're, uh, we're all tired of that preseason stuff. Yes, uh, no doubt about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Ready for the real stuff, and uh, we got a very compelling week number one. Though I don't want to as a Bears fan, we do have to start <laughs> with Sunday Night Football. And, yes, uh, we do. <laughs> you know, Tad, it, it was incredible theater. Was it frustrating as a fan? Certainly, but just mesmerized again by the play of Aaron Rodgers, the guy you can't put into words. And I'll be honest, I, I figured I was going to wake up this morning some overnight breaking news that Aaron Rodgers is going to be out the rest of the year for with an ACL. <laughs> it's not the case yet. We'll we'll see what the latest is on that injury. But put into words, if you can, the performance we saw out of Rodgers last night. The swing of emotions in that game um, for not only Bears fans but for Packers fans uh, is just absolutely incredible. I mean, I... I, I I thought, you know, I, and I think everybody else thought the same thing. You know, you don't want to speculate, but the way that injury looked, the way he handled it, the way the trainers handled it, you know, he goes to the tent and then he's carted off. And we've seen this before with Aaron Rodgers, and maybe maybe we're extra sensitive about him because he's kind of been a little fragile in the past and because he's so good, and we know how this team kind of drops off when he's not there. And frankly, they're just not really that much fun to watch. So, you know, even if, if you're not a fan of the Packers, or if you're just a fan of football and, and you're not a fan of the Bears, of course, uh, nobody wanted to see that. And then, of course, for him to come out in the third quarter and uh, you get the report that he's going to try to play, and you're just like, what do you mean he's going to try to play? How bad is this injury? It will, you know, What are they doing here? The Bears are pretty much dominating this game. You have Khalil Mack just wrecking havoc. Uh, so that's not an ideal situation. And then he comes out, and, of course, you guys know, uh, ridiculous comeback, uh, an amazing game. I, I, I don't know if, if there are any ways like this so often think about the Hail Mary plays all the comebacks that he's had and yet he still finds a way to surprise you uh, and you're right I mean he's not totally in the clear uh, his status for next week is still up in the air uh, we don't know really how bad that this injury is but the fact that he was able to come out there and help his team to win in a very very important game by the way against a team that looks pretty good and was just about to blow him out and then all of a sudden the momentum changes and and that's that uh, by the way, just let me know when you think Khalil Mack will finally get into football shape. Probably take him two or three games. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> good God, is that guy good? Holy oh, it's man, is he is he great? He's uh, look. I, I I first off, I couldn't believe like everybody else that the Bears were able to make that deal, and then secondly, how good he was without any practice. He's just so tremendous, Tad. Well, that's what's so amazing about it, the fact that, you know, it, sure, he's playing within the scheme, but all he's doing is bull rushing. I mean, it, that's all he's doing. I'm sure the coaches told him, look, man, I, I know you don't really know all the plays here, what we're doing, but just go in and bull rush the right tackle, and let's see what happens. And sure enough, uh, just that alone, um, I mean, you get, you get the forced fumble, the fumble recovery, the interception for a touchdown, he's getting pressured on the quarterback almost every play. It's just you put a guy like that on the edge, and it totally changes the game. The Bears knew that when they obtained him. I had no idea that it was going to happen this quickly. Uh, I wasn't even sure if he was going to play in this game, but you knew if he played even a little bit, he would make an impact. Nobody could have guessed the impact would have been what it was. Now, of course, the Bears wish that offensively they could have maintained it in the second half in order to, to you know, preserve their lead a little bit, but that's not 
Cleo Mack fought. I mean, we all know Cleo Mack did literally almost everything he could do in the capacity that he was playing to help the Bears win. Concerns about the play calling in the second half from the Bears. Matt Nagy, he is an Andy Reid disciple. Good for game planning, uh, in-game strategy, though. Left a little something to be desired. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, honestly, in the moment, it didn't really strike me as poor. I think I might have been distracted by what was going on on the other side of the ball, to be honest with you. Um, they they, they want to be creative with this offense. We all know that. Um, and I truthfully, you know, without going back and watching it closer and, and kind of breaking down key situations, you know, it's hard to say whether it was a poor play calling or just poor execution simply for Mitchell Trubisky not being able to find the guys, not being able to hit his reads uh, and get the ball to players on time. Uh, because that, in, in parts, were an issue, too. Um, uh, but the running game in spots was pretty pretty encouraging. I mean, we know Tariq Cohen is, is a very good player, Jordan Howard. Man, Jordan Howard almost sealed the game with the first down there at the end. He was one yard short, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So, uh, you know, I, give him a few more weeks. Uh, you know, this is still new, right? It's, it's only week one. Um, and just the way that that momentum was going, uh, it was just a very, very weird, unique situation. So definitely uh, not willing to, you know, Trash, Matt Nagy, by any means. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a rough second half. Um, take me then to the Kansas City Chiefs and quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Hill, the, the entire group, heads out to play against the Chargers, a team a lot of folks have picked to win the AFC West. And, look, I know that Rivers' wide receivers were dropping footballs everywhere. Trent and I could have made at least one of those catches. <laughs> There's no question in my mind about that. But they didn't, and Patrick Mahomes looked all-world. Is is this going to be one of those, oh my, I can't believe what I'm seeing kind of seasons, or is it just a one-time thing? I think it's fair to expect him to keep this up, especially against, and I know the Chargers didn't have a Joey Bosa. That definitely matters. It's still a pretty good defense they were facing. And what I, I talked to you guys all summer about, how interested I was to, to see Patrick Mahomes because behind the scenes, this team loves him. They have all the confidence in the world, and, and I bet you everybody in that building expected exactly what they saw on Sunday, whereas people like us were a little more skeptical just because we don't get to see it every day. And then he comes out, four touchdowns, his rating's like 127 and a QBR of almost 80. I mean, he outplayed Phillip Rivers. I know Phillip Rivers had the, the volume with, with more than 50 passing attempts, uh, but Patrick Mahomes was more efficient. And, of course, it helps when you have a player like Terry Kill, uh, who is just dusting everybody who <laughs> comes within five yards of him. Uh, but, again, that that's all part of this offense. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, I mean, this is a division that all of a sudden is open. I, I think it's fair to say that the Chargers were probably uh, their biggest competition in this division. I know Denver looked pretty good uh, against Seattle, but I don't know really how much you can take from that. And uh, all of a sudden the Chargers make a – or, excuse me, the – Chiefs make a statement like this against the Chargers in week one, and you kind of got to open your eyes. And keep in mind, this is on the road, too. You know, they haven't even opened to Arrowhead yet. So uh, it's a very impressive performance. There's nothing there that looks fluky. If anything, it could be better uh, because Travis Kelsey had himself a pretty quiet game. So did Sammy Watkins. So there actually might even be some room for improvement, as uh, as scary as that is to think for their uh, opponents. Biggest surprise of the weekend, what Tampa Bay did to New Orleans. 48 on the board with old Fitz uh, taking over the helm for Jameis Winston. New Orleans started to take some steps backwards defensively as the year went on a year ago. How concerned are you with this Saints team? Or divisional game, week one, just chalk it up to that. 
Yeah, I, I actually do think it's the latter here um, because it's not like the Saints lost anybody on defense, right? This is essentially the exact same unit. Uh, and then, of course, the coaching staff pretty much still intact. So I, I do really think it was just kind of one of those, I don't want to call it a fluke because the throws that Ryan Fitzpatrick was making were just absolutely absurd. But, I mean, you have a player like Marcus Williams, for example, uh, who was great as a rookie last season, and he just had a bad game. Deshaun Jackson got past him a couple times. Marshall Lattimore got beat by Mike Evans for one big play. Um, and then just things kind of snowballed from there. And, of course, you had a turnover right before halftime, you know, a, a, uh, for a defensive touchdown. And just kind of one of those games, like you said, in the division beginning of the year, uh, it's possible that maybe New Orleans slept on Tampa Bay a little bit, you know, coming into this game. And and uh, I don't think it was fair for New Orleans to expect Ryan Patrick to play like that. He, he does that every once in a while. But then, of course, three weeks later he'll throw four picks, and then you'll remember why. He's a backup quarterback. Um, so I, I really do think that's it. I mean, the, the Saints offensively are exactly what you expected them to be. Uh, Alvin Kamara was, was really good in both passing game and running ball. He had a couple touchdowns. Um, and it's, it's still a very good team. I would expect them to bounce back pretty quickly. He threw, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 147 yards to Mike Evans and 146 yards to Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> that's, that's pretty impressive stuff. Okay, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, look, 49ers, I think, are going to be a much improved team, but they, they are damn good, the Vikings are, and they showed it uh, against uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, look, we all knew that, that this team was stacked, and on paper, at least, they only got better in the offseason, right? You get Dalvin Cook back for your running game. You seemingly upgrade a quarterback, and I think uh, there's nothing about Kirk Cousins' debut with the Vikings that, that makes you think otherwise. I mean, he was great. The, the touchdown to Stephon Diggs, I don't know how you can throw a better ball than that. So if, everything's continu- if everything continues to click like that, we know how good this defense is, and they showed it against the 49ers, granted, uh, it's a young offense, but any Kyle Shanahan coached offense, if you're able to do that against them, I, I think you're doing pretty good. So, uh, yeah, they, I, I think this is probably what we expected out of Vikings. Like I said, we knew it would be tough uh, against San Francisco, but San Francisco is also dealing with having to replace Jerick McKinnon on, like, two weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yep. so that's a tough situation they're having to deal with, too. Uh, and I'm not making any excuses here because uh, I, I think the Vikings really are that good. And, you know, we talk about this division, the Bears – showed that they're a pretty impressive team. Obviously, you know, there's not much you can do about Aaron Rodgers at that point. So it'll be interesting to see how the Vikings match up with them now. Tad Haslip with the Sporting News. Tad, thanks for giving us a hit today. Two Monday night football games. you got to lean either way. Anything you're liking tonight? Uh, not particularly. I mean, look, in, the, in the first game, you, it's going to be all, all eyes on Sam Darnold, obviously. I mean, the, the Lions are, are going to be the pretty heavy favorites in this game, with good reason. It's, it's a pretty good team. Uh, you know, how does Sam Darnold handled not, handled not only the pressure of starting, but the pressure of starting on uh, Monday Night Football on the road. That's interesting. And then, of course, in the late game, you got John Gruden's debut with the Raiders uh, against one of the best teams in the NFC uh, in, in the Rams. So, you know, a lot of pessimism going into the season for the Raiders based on what they've done in the offseason. They can get off, you know, to a win to start the season and just shut everybody up and beat one of the best teams in the league. Uh, then that'll be great for Oakland. But, you know, I think a lot more people expect them to kind of get their butts kicked. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens. Good stuff. Thanks for your time today, Tad. Yep, thanks, guys. Tad Hassel of joining us here talking NFL. Time for a quick timeout. Coming back on the other side, we got Wolfgang stopping in. 
with you until 6 o'clock. It's Jimmy B and TC. We got Wolfgang in with us as he normally is during football seasons, Mondays and Fridays as he joins us here today. Wolfgang, uh, I was getting some messages in our conversation on Friday, our little back and forth. You know what they said? I actually don't. You have not said, is this good or bad? Or am I going to be crying over in the corner in the field position or what? No, they just said that you don't listen. I don't. I, I, you're right. I don't. Are you ready to listen today? No. Okay, that's what I that'd be. That'd be a little, I'm listening, and I'm hearing, that, I'm hearing you say that I don't listen. Mm-hmm. So it would be very weird to say that I, I could do that in like a two-minute span where I would all of a sudden listen to everything you're saying. Well, good to have you out again. And, uh, <laughs> I'll and, try. And we'll you got talk. something you want to give me? You, you, you sound like you have something you want to give me. No, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I think it's pretty simple, though. Iowa gets a win, obviously, 13-3, to as everybody listening knows, over Iowa State. Wolfgang, it's pretty simple. It's a one-game schedule for the Hawkeyes. Beat Wisconsin, they're going to Indianapolis. Lose to the Badgers, they'll have a nice year, but it will not end in Indianapolis. Simple as that. Fair enough? What? That's, you know it's not as simple as that. We discussed that a few months ago. Again, you talked so many minutes, so many hours, so many weeks, so many months to every single person out there. I know you don't remember who you probably have a conversation with and who you don't. I'm the same damn way. At least I try to remember. We had that conversation. It's not over. Now, it's, that is a game that Iowa, obviously, I believe we came to the point where they need to value that game as basically, I think, as the words we put it in, like maybe two games. That's a two-game turn, the Iowa-Wisconsin game. But I don't believe that if Iowa loses to Wisconsin, it's over. I don't. We looked up Wisconsin's schedule. There are actually losses on that schedule, unlike in years past. You, you would disagree with that. There are losses. They're not losing three games that they beat Wisconsin. They're not losing. Yeah, I would agree with. I would agree with that. I don't think it's entirely over. I've seen Wisconsin. They look good. They look really good. I think what I told you in the summer was, if I had no black and gold blood in me, if I was totally unbiased, which none of us are, we can pretend like we are. I try to be, but I'm not. If I was completely 100% unbiased, what I told you in the summer, I believe, is that Wisconsin scares the bleep out of me. Their offense scares the bleep out of me. The running back, uh, the offensive line where four of the five could potentially be, in any expert's uh, opinion, like first or second team, all Big Ten. That's just, that's sick. And then you got their defense over the years, and they've only got four or five starters back, Trent, and yet everybody's saying, look at this defense. You know what I mean? Look at this defense. So I don't, unbiased, I would be, I would pick Wisconsin to win that. But as we hear, Trent, the game's going to be at 730. Mm -hmm. That place is going to be rocking. Mm -hmm. The the entire stadium is going to be, it'll be like a, almost like an earthquake. It'll be that, it'll be unbelievable um, what we're about ready to see. So I can't wait for that. But you just want me to overlook the fact that we're playing you and I. I can see what you do. I, I understand what you're doing. So I'm just supposed to look over you and I now. You're a you and I dude. I graduated from you and I, yeah. But that doesn't mean that I. I mean, I should not lose this football game. Right? Well, we do it. We do it two weeks on Wisconsin. Well, I'm I'm pretty much ready to go there. Look, I'm not a player. I don't have to worry about overlooking things. The game that matters most, and even if lightning strikes and they lose to you and I, it's still a one game schedule, Wolfgang. 
Because the Big Ten record is all that matters getting to Indianapolis. No, and th- yes, that is a good point. So we agree that that game is huge. I don't believe if Iowa loses that, it's over. Because there are three games easy that Iowa or that Wisconsin could lose. Could Iowa, you know, I worry about Iowa's schedule. I worry about every game. And as you say, it's funny. I'm not a coach. I don't need to do that. We're fans. We can do whatever we want. You're a radio dude, whatever. We're just sitting here talking, having fun. I understand that. But if Iowa goes into that thinking that every game is not big, they're going to struggle. And what I've been so happy with this so far this year is Northern Illinois. Beating them is not a joke. That's, that's a good win. That was, I was in no point during any part of that game worried about Iowa winning that game. During the, during the summer, we could make kind of decent arguments, Trent, where, yeah, we should, we'll probably be worried at this point or that point. You may have said something different, but you agree the fact that they better not overlook Northern Illinois thinking they're crap. They are a bolty. Mm-hmm. They beat Nebraska. They're playing a whole bunch of Utahs and Florida States and Iowas this year. They're not scared to come play us. We're not going to see that. We be, Iowa beat them. Wasn't a big problem. Iowa State, we damn well know how good they are. We know it's been 50-50, even though it seems like maybe Iowa's taken over this series. Yet Iowa State is all of a sudden taking their whole season, more importantly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Iowa State seems like they're not into the Iowa game as much, and it doesn't bother them, at least the coaching staff. All, the, the fans are different. But the coaching staff doesn't seem like they're taking the Iowa game as importantly. But the season as a whole, the Big 12, and they're getting more rep uh, nationwide from writers and, and guys. Uh, what would you say on that? Uh, I I think that's just more talk for you think Matt Campbell you think Matt Campbell takes this as seriously as Dan McCartney Iowa State different time periods it meant it was different at the time so does he take it at no he does not it, this is not as important as it was to Dan McCartney different coach different era Iowa State's program was at a different spot at that time but to think that they lost the game because. Are you saying they didn't? They lost the game because they didn't prepare hard enough for it. Is that what you're saying? Well, what are we saying? So we would say, what would we say when I was losing to Iowa State? What would be some of our opinions? And some of them may have even been my opinion. Watching Iowa State, well, I've been there with my eyes, seen it. There was one program taking it a little more importantly. There was one team flying to the football. There was one team that was amped in the pregame, and there was one team that wasn't as amped as the other team. I don't think that's being offensive to one side or the other. Right, because the Iowa way is every game is important, not too high, not too low over the course of the season. And you see another team that seem more pumped up, seem more excited. Yeah, I get that. So can one team want something more than the other? Does Iowa want it more against Ohio State than Ohio State wants it against Iowa? Is that fair? I, I can admit that. I want to beat them more than I'm guessing they want to beat us. There's a certain adrenaline going there. There's a certain, like, oh, we're, t- we're playing the elite of the elite right now in Ohio State, and they're playing some team that, yeah, they consider kind of good, pretty good. I think we got the advantage there. Okay. Iowa. All right. You don't buy that. I can tell you don't even want to answer it. No, I, I, I just don't think it matters. What it does matter is Iowa wins the game 13-3. to Wolfgang, let's get into the game, get into the thoughts of it. And uh, that Hawkeye defensive line, you know, it's a conversation that we had a lot during the summer. If I was good, their defensive line has to be good. And this one had a chance to be elite. Are you ready to put them in that category? Is this one of the best 
10 defensive lines in the country? Okay, so I can pretend that, yes, they are. I have no idea. I mean, I've watched a lot of football, but I can't pretend that they are or not because I haven't seen that many people. I can read stuff that the experts say. But what I will say is that we both admitted, I, I'll, just put, I'll just say myself, this summer, you know, because I've normally told you in the past, I don't even really like to go out to outside opinion. I like to listen to Trent Condon or Hawkeye Nation or Hawkeye Report and all those guys. They don't, the outside people don't know as much as we do. But I try to, you know, gain information as we go along. Basketball, well, maybe they see something that we don't see. Football, all, everybody was saying, Trent, that this defensive line outside of Iowa is going to be awesome. Every magazine I read, every uh, website I was on, this Iowa, excuse me, defensive line is going to be awesome. And I went, I don't think they're going to be awesome, but I think they're going to be pretty darn good. Yeah, they're going to be pretty darn good. But I kept reading this stuff and kept reading this stuff. I brought it up to you, and I'm like, is this defensive line going to be awesome like all the magazines and, and, uh, and websites are saying? And I think we – I won't speak for you, but I didn't think they were going to be awesome. It seems like they might be awesome, Trent. And if they are awesome, look out. Look out, because I heard Ken Miller compare Epinesa to Reggie White. Mm-hmm. And he did that. And then after that, he said something to the effect of, no, I don't want to go too far here. And I don't know if that was a joke or not. I don't think it was a joke because neither of you laughed. Reminds him of Reggie White. And thank you, Ken, for saying that. I appreciate that. I love guys that compare other people. I'm too chicken to do that sometimes, and you did it. So let's say he's not Reggie White. He's really good. And our D-line looks really good. It does, Trent. I think I might have been wrong in saying that they were just going to be kind of – they're going to be kind of good. I didn't think they were going to be awesome. Maybe they're going to be awesome, Trent, if they are then Iowa's got a chance to do something special. I thought they had a chance to be special, but, but they have gone to another level. A.J. Epinesa, he is a star. It's not he's going to become a star. He is a college football star. His ability to get to the quarterback, to absolutely obliterate a side of the line. Parker Hesse on the other side, what he does. Anthony Nelson, I mean, he hasn't barely been heard from this year. Guy had seven and a half sacks last year. The interior's holding up. The linebackers are making plays. This defense of, as a whole. And, and how about outside? Oja Moody on one side, Matt <laughs> Hankins on the other. These guys are physical. They come up. It seems like the kind of thing you want if you're going to slow down a great passing game, or running game, excuse me, in Wisconsin. I mean, that, that's the kind of team that you want to have. Wolfgang, I'm incredibly excited about this team. I think they have a chance to be really special. What I talked about, them getting to Indianapolis, I think it's, I think it's right there for them. So I, you're, you're buying this. I, I think you yes, are buying this. You yes. are actually saying, so, and I, again, my friends are all calling me a homer and a, a dork and a geek, and they're like, well, who cares where you're rated? You said the same thing on Friday. You know, who cares? Who cares? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you're rated. I think there's some perception there. I think it helps with recruiting. Um, I think it helps with the chip on the shoulder with the Iowa program with the fans, because what I'm hearing out of France, uh, fans and seeing with their dollars is going to be three straight sellouts. Yep. I'm seeing Twitter. I'm seeing and talking to you, what you're saying. You're not a, I mean, you know what you're talking about. So it, this is fun. Normally there are years when, like, who was the guy for ESPN that picked us to win the national championship? What year was that? There's been writers that have picked us way high in the top ten, way high, and one guy... Manzel, or, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the, the fellow actually uh, had a family problem, and it was a story on ESPN recently, but he picked Iowa to finish as the national champion, for crying out loud. 
This year, you cannot find anybody, Trent. And if you can, let me know. Let me know now. But this is the year when Iowa does well. When the chip on the shoulder and the fans are going, really? We just beat Northern Illinois. Easy. Beat Iowa State. Not easy, but it. I really. I always sweat during that game, but I wasn't really sweating hardcore during that game like I normally do for whatever reason. So two teams that I respect, two bowl teams, one a bowl winner, one beat Oklahoma, one beat uh, TCU also, one beat Nebraska. So I, this makes me feel good. Like, we're legit, and this is early. It feels like Iowa is legit, and I think the fans know that. I think maybe the players know that yet they're still able to play with a chip on their shoulder because nobody's giving them crap nationwide. I don't know if you buy that or not. Well, what they do have to do is get better offensively, and they ran the football at times. This is a good Iowa State defense, but Nate Stanley, he was getting the buzz. He was uh, an August love affair was happening. We had Todd McShay talking about him being a first-rounder. He has not looked anything close to a first-rounder. He is struggled with accuracy, drops have been a part of it too. I get that. Your takeaway, what you see in the first two weeks out of Nate Stanley. Can I ask you in 10 seconds or less, what do you think I told you about Nathan Stanley when I read that he was going to be the number 22 draft pick this coming year in the NFL draft? Do you remember any, can you give me a synopsis in 10 seconds? You thought it was laughable. Yes, and I, thank you. Okay, so I came across right, okay, beautiful. It's not that I don't like him. I like him as a college quarterback. I like, like Nathan Stanley as a college quarterback. I'm glad we have him, and I'm excited about the future. The fact that anybody that gets paid money to say Nathan Stanley after last year was going to be, after this year, the number 22 or number 23 pick in the draft, it's embarrassing that they get a paycheck for that. And I respect those guys. We're all wrong on stuff. I'm going to be wrong thousands of times on this stuff when I actually have to put my name to it and speak it out loud to thousands of people like I am now. But I said that, but actually after he stated that. So the guy is not that good. Doesn't mean I don't want him on my team, because I do. But he needs to chill out, man. I had a different kind of respect for CJB, Trent. When I watched CJB, I was like, yeah, we're going to win this. And I don't really know why. I just felt like he knew what the bleep he was doing, and he would do it in the right time. And he had everybody knew that this guy was going to do it. And I don't get that feeling with Nathan Stanley. Doesn't mean I won't, but right now, Trent, I don't get that with him. I get the hype as it pertains to the next level for Stanley. You look at the numbers from a year ago, you put in the tape of the Ohio State game, the Iowa State game, you see a guy that can play at the next level. You know, Josh Allen didn't have great numbers, and that guy was a top-five pick in the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. You figured if the accuracy takes a step forward, which it hasn't, but if it did this year— I get what scouts were looking at. I, I completely understand that. Will he continue to take those steps? I don't know. There, there are certain guys that just never are overly accurate. Maybe that's the case for Nate Stanley. If that's the case, well, it's certainly going to hurt the upside of this Iowa team. Oh, when yes. it's all clicking, it can go incredibly good. But when he is a little bit off, he's bad. He's bad, and he's been bad the first two weeks. He's been bad. We can say that. Why can't you say that? He's been bad. That doesn't mean he's not going to get good. That doesn't mean he's not going to get good. I, don't, I think he would describe his play as actually probably worse than bad. And it's so cool that you beat Northern Illinois in a program I have a lot of respect for in Iowa State, and you're, like, the worst thing about your team is a guy that somebody that knows their belief thought that was going to be the number one, like a first-round draft pick. That's a pretty good sign, Trent. 
Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's serious. Like, a guy that, somebody that knows their stuff about quarterbacks, McShay, says he's going to be a first-round draft pick, and he's been our worst thing the last two games. I mean, to me, that pumps me up more. It doesn't bring me down. It's like, he'll get it figured out. I, I believe he has talent. He will get it figured out. But the first two games, I'm not going to lie and say here he was okay. He wasn't anywhere close to okay, Trent. Here's the thing. In order to beat Wisconsin, he's got to play a lot better. In order to beat that road tr- road stretch where you play four out of five on the road and to go three and one in that stretch, he's got to play better than he is. So it's still there. Brandon Smith made a play late in the game. Amir Smith-Marset went up and made a big grab in there. I still think there is plenty that they can do. And I think the style of the game dictated the way that it was played. Things are going to open up at times. There's going to be more offense. But a game like that, that was 6-3 for a long time, 3-3 at the half. I think the style of game dictated also what they were doing offensively. But that Brandon Smith play, I, I said it earlier, Wolfgang, it, it looked mm-hmm. like he almost he breathed a sigh of relief. Just finally, I got to grab. All right, here we go with Brandon Smith because you look at him. He looks the part, no doubt. Now, did you actually see that, or are you just you're interpreting what you saw? No, I saw it. I first watching it, and it happened right in front of me at Kinnick, and it looked that way. And then when I went back and watched the game again over the weekend, it, it really looked like he just let out a big sigh of relief. It, it looked like he exhaled. Go back and watch that play, and watch them. They will them afterwards, and, and just look. It it was ah, I got that out of the way. Okay. It, no, you're not. You're not really that kind of guy, are you? No, 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 not not usually. No. Because yeah, you normally I think maybe I'm wrong, but make me like make fun of me for that. So I understand why he would do that. I didn't necessarily see him do that. Like, ugh. but I understand why that would be a big, you know, off your shoulders and let's figure this out because he's got talent. Supposedly in practice, he's really great. I don't care about practice, as you know, Trent. I don't care. Do it in the game. That's when the scoreboard matters. I love practice players, but they're practice players, and they hopefully, you know, ri- you know, rise the level of the other players around them to to that uh, point. But I'm not. I'm not to the point where I don't know if he ends up being something special. That's another thing that could, you know, raise the level of this team. We got two tight ends. We feel good with. We got a couple wide receivers that are dinged. Um, if Smith ends up making, and, and what you're saying. It sounds like it's mental if he goes, oh, okay, did that, done that. I did this in front of 70,000 plus, in front of millions on the television. And he starts making these improvements. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, that could be something that isn't small, Trent. I mean, you may think it's small. That might not be something small. One-game schedule, Wolfgang. It's a one-game schedule. As simple as that. You're looking forward to it, aren't you? (laughs) You don't like when I say that, do you? (laughs) I just can't believe you're totally dissing Northern Iowa. I just can't believe it. Win or lose, it doesn't matter, Wolfgang. Win or lose, it doesn't matter as it pertains to getting the Big Ten Championship game. It's a one-game schedule when the Badgers come in. 7.30 kickoff at Kinnick. Going to be fun. Wolfgang, we'll talk to you again on Friday. All right, thanks, Trent. See you, buddy. That's Wolfgang Hawkeye checking in with us here. Find him on Twitter. Give him a foul. A lot of fun always with him. And, like ribbing him from time to time, too. All right, Jim, so uh, Wolfgang, I kick him out, bring you back in as we put a cap on <laughs> things. And uh, getting ready for the night in sports. We will have both sides of the Monday Night Football doubleheader this evening. Lions-Jets in game number one. 
followed by the Raiders and Rams in game number two. You got a feeling? You got a game? Anything you like out of these uh, these two matchups this evening? Well, I, I want to see, just like everybody else, I want to see how Sam Darnold looks and what the Jets look like. I, I like Detroit uh, to take care of business in that game. I, I think Matthew Stafford, is, they keep him upright. I, I think he's going to have a terrific year for the Lions. Uh, in the second game, and I know it's all about John Gruden back on the sidelines, but Trent, you know as well as I do, the dude's not throwing a pass. He's not running with the football. He's not tackling anybody. So I get the hype about Gruden going from the broadcast booth back to the sidelines. But, man, I love the Rams. I just think that the Rams have really, really, in the offseason, put a powerhouse team together. And I like the Rams to win this opening game in Oakland. A double header coming up tonight. We got the coverage here with Westwood 1 on 1700. If you're out and about this evening, can't get yourself in front of a television we have you covered. Well, we got you covered again tomorrow starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller talking the world of sports with you. We got Zubin Mahente stopping in. ESPN's Mitch Sherman will be here and a whole lot more. And then on your drive home from 4 until 6 o'clock, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Enjoy the doubleheader of football tonight. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. 1700 KBGG.